Welcome to No Room for Phonies. It is June 30th and it is hot today. We are in the 30s. Maybe not as hot as British Columbia, but we are hot today. And we are back and we're doing part two, episode two of our education series with Charles and Pam. Awesome. And today's topic is things that you should see in every classroom. And I mean, like, from kindergarten right to... College. University, University. whatever. Yep. So, anyway, so um, the cocktail for June is the sangria, which we imbibed in. And sangria... What did you say we did? We imbibed in it. Is that okay? (laughs) Um, It was... Sangria is great. And then July... Is the mango daiquiri. Oh, that's going to be good because mango is one of my favorite fruit juices. Half a mango peeled and sliced, an ounce of white rum, a half an ounce of mango liqueur, which we're going to have to find. And a half an ounce of lemon juice and a half an ounce of sugar syrup, which can just be sugar and water. And then a cup of crushed ice. And I would like to try to have these, so we might have to go to the liquor store. I'm going to look it up. For. the first of July, which is before Canada up. Day, yeah. yeah, which is kind of coming up. Like we have two days to find we mango liqueur, yep. so that whatever, I'm sure we will. Um, the recommended book is the Girl with the Louding Voice. It's the first book by Abi Dar, and it's really an unforgettable, inspiring story of a teenage girl growing up in a rural Nigerian village who longs to get an education so that she can find her own voice and speak up for herself. And it's very heartbreaking um, about the power of fighting for your dreams. Do you know it's if very... the author is Nigerian? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. It's a very good story. Um, and a new publication. Like, it's nice. just out. Yeah. And then um, Lakehead University for podcasts, if you're interested. Lakehead University has put out seven podcasts hosted by Indigenous women. Oh, So that great. might be something to look out. You mm-hmm. just have to literally look up Lakehead University, seven podcasts hosted by Indigenous women, and you'll find it. And again, um, pop into the website. I've been putting pictures of perennials and jam that I made and desserts and all kinds of different things. We're going to put a crochet pattern up there this week. Yep. Oh, we should have the sweater. We should have the sweater. I should have had the the sweater on. But anyway, we'll see it on the website. I can stop the camera and go get it. No, that's (laughs) fine. Um, And then questions and comments. Um, Please don't hesitate to to ask questions or advice or whatever you want. Uh, through the website or through the email or through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, whatever kind of works for you. So visit the website. So that's it. And then... Not for the podcast. Not for the podcast. But let's um, get Those into our, the our regular segments that you should see in every classroom. So the first one I have here is student voice. So when you walk into a classroom, you should see evidence of student voice. What does that look like? So a physical environment that meets the needs of students. So there are places for 
um, students to display their work or keep their work while they're using it, like while they're working on it. Mm -hmm. um, what's up on the walls should be made and used by students, not just um, things that someone has bought online from a teacher store. Right. It should be like charts and graphs and things that kids are at, have actually made and are using. Um, when I first started as a teacher, it was all about making everything beautiful. Matchy, matchy. And matchy. Mm -hmm. And now... I remember in teacher's college, we were graded on our bulletin boards. Yes. And now bulletin <laughs> boards should actually be created and made by students. What so would you suggest, though, for the beginning of the year of when parents are walking in for the first time and student work isn't up yet? You have a math board where kids can put their math, but you don't have any work on it. No. It's oh, just, it's the, the potential spot of yeah, where their voices will You would will have appear. a spot for different things. And then the other thing is, like, I think most parents don't realize this, but you can actually go and sit in your child's class and be right. part of the class and watch for opportunities for student voice. Like I've sat in a lot of classrooms in my day and I know that there is no student voice when I sit there and I'm there for a 50 minute class and 30 minutes of it is the teacher talking. Mm -hmm. Like I've been in kindergarten classes where they've had like a 40 minute teacher led, teacher centered carpet time <laughs> that's a long time it's a long time for kindergarten so and I mean one of the most difficult grade six classes I I had at one of my schools the entire problem with that class was that the teacher would not stop talking she didn't mm -hmm. give clear instructions so that the kids could and she didn't have and she wasn't asking good questions so that's the kinds of things so there would be no voice. No students. student voice. Sorry, that was my phone that I thought I had turned off. Um, well, so in, in colleges and university, you don't get a homeroom necessarily. Most places, you're transient. But now with online education, there is an online learning content or learning management system of some sort or another, like Blackboard or D2L or Google Classroom or others, Moodle. But... I would say, for example, in Blackboard, you can set up a Wikipedia-type site where all students can contribute and is visible to all, and they can comment on it, and it becomes like a in-house Blackboard. Right. Or, I mean, So technology does help us to um, give kids access to, like, an online journal or an online classroom that mm -hmm. they can participate in. So student voice was my number one. If you hear things, it's just squirrels, squirrels throwing or birds. nuts at us <laughs> at, from the eave trough up there. So the first one is student voice. The second one that I have is choice. So strengths-based learning, choice in what they are learning about. So when you go into a classroom where there's choice, you would often see children working on different things at the same time because right. they might be able to choose um, for their culminating activity. They might be able to choose from a list. Mm -hmm. And you would see that displayed, right? Because everybody's not doing exactly the same thing. So right. choice to me is probably one of the easiest ways 
to do class management. Because they're more engaged if mm -hmm. they have choice. Yeah. So, and even children who have a lot of um, attention or behavior issues, if you use a little chart that says first, next, then, first you do this little activity, then you do this, then, and next you do this, then you get to choose from this list of, yeah. you know, possible things. And there are things like for kids where... Um, at the side of the room, you might see um, extension activities where kids can go and choose things that they would do in their spare time. Mm -hmm. There should be a, a tea. I, I often at the end of my career would get frustrated when teachers said, oh, I spent like $500 on a library, like a class library. Mm -hmm. Your class library should be switched out. So you should be using the school library or the public library to go sign out 50 to 100 books, bring them in your classroom for a month, and then switch them out. Right, so that it doesn't get stale. Yeah, because kids... And then as you are getting to know your kids, you're going to be picking books. And I used to send my kids sometimes to the library to get five or six books that they would keep in their book bins or share with each other. Mm-hmm. Like it, you have to keep track of things. I get it, but if your classroom is decently organized, it's not really a problem. So, lots of choice. Student voice, choice. Time for reflection by everybody in the room, every single day. Hmm. So, to me, that could be exit cards. That every classroom should have a pile of journals where kids are reflecting. Um, my favorite thing about uh, math when I started to learn how to teach it actually properly was that every kid had a math journal. Really? And so they reflected on the strategies that they used and they kept track of them in their journal. And they, which ones they worked, which ones worked for them, which ones bombed and that and they needed to work more on. They I could bring their math journal to any test. Wow. Nice. So that if they labeled it properly and mm -hmm. did all the things, then they had it. And other teachers will say, well, that's like giving them an open book test. No, that's like teaching them to... Like look things up. We're all it's gonna like have going into um, and <laughs> it's like cooking a meal and not and saying, oh, I have to memorize all the recipes that no. I need. No, you have a book where right. you follow, but you still have to put the recipe together. Right. So what about like would if it's like grade? I don't know when they teach the bed mass, the, the brackets. Yeah, all, all that, that stuff goes that can go into if you choose. And sometimes I would say hint, hint. You might want to put this in your journal and reflect on the kinds of mm -hmm. questions that you would use it for because right. it might come in handy sometime, particularly for older kids. But So let's say I walked into my child's school for the day. I had a day off. I wanted to spend time. And what would it look like to see the teacher reflecting? Well, I reflected right in my day book. So mm -hmm. I had a column in my day book. Plus, would you do that at the end of the day after kids had left? Sometimes, or, or as I was go, as I, because in my classroom I wasn't teaching all the time. Right. I was doing a setup, a mini lesson, and then kids were either working in groups or singly or whatever. So mm -hmm. I was, I wasn't, 
I was doing a lot of reflecting on what the kids were learning. I had a, a clipboard. I mean, nowadays you can walk around with an iPad right. and take pictures or film kids mm -hmm. like talking and interacting and then go back and look at it and, yeah. you know, use that Debrief as a reflection on yeah, kind true. of your things. But exit cards so that kids... And um, sometimes reflection is oral, right? Like yeah. I always had a community circle at the end of the day where we reflected on how we solved our social issues okay. through the day. Yeah. Not picking on people. No. But saying, okay, there was an incident on the playground with children from this class who shall remain nameless. This is what happened. What do you think about how we did with that? Like, mm -hmm. what do you think are some things we could do differently the next time? Because it's very important that we're a community and we all get along. Yeah. And that we're setting a good example. And just for, for them to ever. have that that ability to set to reset the day. Like, yeah. Tomorrow but is going to be a new day. But every single day, like, yeah. there should be opportunity for reflection. Like, if, and journals should not be. So if I'm a parent and do, and I don't see that and I don't see evidence of it. What should I be concerned about? What what that your classroom is not a, a community where mistakes are okay and growing and learning is part of the deal. Okay. And that the teacher is not necessarily um, looking at how the kids are like learning you, using <laughs> using that kind of data to plan for the next right. day right and if i went I through somebody's math journal and they had mm -hmm. nothing in it mm -hmm. then that was a chance for me to have a conference and say okay let's reflect on this a bit and what right. do you what do you why do you don't why do you not feel this is important because obviously mm -hmm. you don't mm -hmm. or are you lazy or what is right. you know what's your so well then it's interesting because in high school and college and university I think that it's also very valuable because that's when, as young adults, you know, they're, they are very suspicious of why they should bother learning this. And is it on the test? Yeah. And they've been so trained to learn yeah. for the test that they're not learning for the sake of learning or just rehearsing and practicing the strategies and understanding. Yeah. And so accept because they always want to go to the test. Right. But that's not necessarily Well, good and the learning. mark and the this. Yeah. So... And then um, every classroom should have a spot an where kids have opportunities for kind of some kind of innovation, like creating and building, like coding, like, you know, discovery, that sort of an area. Mm -hmm. Like I always had a science and technology area in my class. And when they got rid of design and tech, right. that was the whole point, that all that... So the, all to those robotics and all those things all were that stuff to was supposed to move to the home room oh so boy. that it was available to students well, that didn't happen no so there should be opportunities for innovation and then um critical thinking is a big thing for me mm -hmm. like the kinds of questions that are asked that students are allowed to respectfully challenge anything that's happening in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Like we let our kids respectfully challenge us as um, as they were growing. Yeah. And and to enter into kind of like safe debates, safe arguments and about discussions things. about and things. And so you should that should be. Well, something. it was very important that they had those skills by the time they were in high school. 
And I'm sure some of you came into this podcast thinking there she she's going to say, oh, desks should be in groups and da 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 <laughs> and all this stuff. The way the desks are arranged should be changing all the time. Um, the way that kids, you know, it should be organized. It should be all that stuff. But that's not the depth of, you know, a classroom can be beautiful and nothing's happening in it. Right. And a classroom can be very messy and nothing's happening in it. Or what about very messy and chaotic, but lots of things are happening. Yeah, there can be that, but <laughs> usually usually disorganization is not a... It's a red flag. It's a red flag. Like, so it doesn't have is, to be beautiful. You can, I can walk into a classroom and say, oh, there's a lot going on in here, but everybody has their place there right you know they have like well the, for me if if i still see turkeys and pumpkins in february i know that the the teacher is stagnant well we had a teacher that left her christmas tree up till march break i know but Ridiculous. it's just stagnant. it's that whole the library isn't changing well if the decor if the decorations aren't changing it's also yeah. a sign of stagnant and tc squared which is a uh online community mm -hmm. for critical thinking is very inexpensive to have and um, it has all kinds of questions and it actually has lessons and handouts and some are free and yeah. a lot for his for history and critical inquiry right because it's like instead of just learning the facts about history it's about learning how does this impact or what do you think like what do you think was the best way to um, you know, do you think that World War II was necessary? How do you think? Like, it's getting kids thinking about history in a way that they are learning some of the mistakes that were made as part of history. So maybe we don't have to repeat, that. repeat them. So there should be evidence of critical thinking. One of the biggest ev pieces of evidence for um, critical thinking is the way that rubrics are set up mm -hmm. with requirements and criteria. So the idea is that before a child hands in like a writing thing, they go through the requirements. You must have a period at the end of every, or a punctuation. You must have a capital at mm -hmm. the beginning. Um, you, you, um, you must have three proofs for whatever it is you're trying to write about. Like, so you click the requirements and if kids would come to me and um, they hadn't completed the requirements, I wasn't going to mark the deeper criteria. Right. Like, how great are your proofs? How mm -hmm. clear is your writing? I'm not going to mark any of that because you haven't even reached the requirements. Right. So, so that takes care of those, like, attention-grabbing children who just want reassurance that they're doing a good job. Yeah, go back, life. use your checklist, teaches independence. And obviously there are some kids that need more help or whatever, but... I'm just sending, saying you should see um, critical thinking. The other thing I think you should also see is problem-based learning with real problems. Mm. So um, I often set up like a, cha a math challenge problem or a science challenge problem or a history kind of a question that kids could go and look at and add their ideas to a chart paper or something so that they were working on some kind of real or something from the newspaper. Right. I Current rarely events, yeah. saw newspaper stuff being 
talked about wow. like in class. I remember that anymore. was my my grade four teacher always had current events with newspapers and news magazines. And yeah, and I think that's I part that. of what we. I was reading Newsweek and McLean's in grade four because yeah. of that. And I think that's part of what is the problem with children discerning. Children just accept what's in a newspaper or what's on Facebook or what's everywhere Not as just fact, right? And so mm-hmm. I think we need to teach some problem solving and some discernment. Um, you should definitely see self-assessment and portfolios yes. of work. Mm-hmm. You should see opportunities where kids have self-assessed or done peer assessment or mm-hmm. shared. Like you should definitely and see portfolios that. just show that that they're productive, that they do more than one thing. Yep, and, and particularly for writing. Well, yeah, right. Like well, then I you mean, art, music appreciation. Yeah. Like even phys ed, you could build in portfolio, and now yep. you could make a digital portfolio. Well, and that's desire to learn has a wonderful digital pro- portfolio that every child in the classroom could be keeping their own digital portfolio. Yeah. But whatever you want to use, that's mm-hmm. and then parent teacher interviews come, and you just and sometimes you can video things and just pop a video of a kid into a portfolio. Right. And then when you're talking with a parent, you're just showing what mm-hmm. their kid is doing. Mm-hmm. Or, so portfolios to me are like very, very good. And then... So what, again, just playing devil's advocate, when there are no portfolios, what do you typically see instead? That a mark is, book. Like the teacher's mark book? Yeah. And the student's writing books? Maybe some works, books and things. Mm-hmm. Like, but the thing is... A portfolio is where you, like, because your child is not marked on every little piece of work that they do. Your child is marked on the accumulation of their, like, the best thing they've done is, you know, is, is the, you know, like every little thing they do. So when they create a portfolio, they're choosing their best kind of seven things that they are really feel like this is what I want you to base my um, evaluation because right right, there's assessment for as and of right Right. so for learning you're wanting to just help them get better Mm -hmm. and as learning happens while you're talking to them but the of learning they should have a say in that Mm -hmm. I really want you to count this wow yeah these seven things are my best seven things that I did during this history unit or Mm -hmm. these. So, and the choice part then plays very heavily into that as well. So, and then the next thing is that you should see that learning is connected. Kids should be elbows deep in learning and teaching each other. And there should be a high priority on great questions and an endless opportunity to solve local problems, improve grades, reinvent themselves, and see that they are capable and grow. Mm -hmm. Kids should never feel like, oh, shoot, I failed this, and so now I'm never going to have a chance to, like, go, you know, to to get better or to improve. Yeah, they're always going to be that student. Yes, and so the other thing is that you should also see that learning is connected, like, Math is connected to language and history, and mm-hmm. you should there should you should be looking for opportunities Across where science curriculum. and math are, you know, y- your your um, 
working on math concepts or when you're writing, you're writing about what you've read. And it doesn't always have to be stories. It no. can be nonfiction. Right. And I mean, they need to write about, you know, their own small moments and everything yes, like that. Yes, I'm not but, saying that. But there, there should be opportunities to write about things that are they're reading about or they're they're opinions about things or mm. you know that sort of thing so everything should have some kind of connection so the next one uh so far i have talked about um student voice choice time for reflection opportunities for innovation uh critical thinking problem solving self-assessment and portfolios and connected learning um just to remind you before we go on we are outside so our neighbor does play um horseshoes horseshoes so you might hear a clink or a clunk and charles is throwing peanuts at squirrels so that <laughs> might come into it as well but the next one that you should definitely see in every classroom is some opportunity for genius and inspiration by kids and by the teacher so there's a thing that you can look it up called genius hour and it's basically a time in every week where kids should be allowed to pursue their own projects. So I've often heard of teachers Is doing it, it like hour? on a Friday afternoon okay. where from two to three we we have genius hours. So work on your experiment or your project or your research or your whatever it is you're building and this is genius hour. Okay. And so I don't mean that it has to look like that, but you know, there should be inspiring um, sayings that kids have written or mm -hmm. done up in the classroom. There should be things that encourage kids to make mistakes and, you know, like that well, sort they could of thing. Write, they could write a skit and perform it. And yes, like, like Genius it be, Hour. It is be a, any. And I mean, if you listen to Seth Godin at all, he believes there's genius in everyone, right? Yeah. So we have to give kids the opportunity to let their inner genius kind of out. The next one I said there should be learning sounds and learning tools and materials that adapt to student ability and growth. So, so are those three different things? Like what are learning sounds? Like there should be the ability for children to have quiet time to work, but then there should be the ability for them to work with their knee partner in groups. Or mm -hmm. So there should be a variety of, of sounds throughout a day, right. not just... And then... Learning tools, I mean, there should be an opportunity for kids to be able to access neatly organized materials and tools. <laughs> yes. Like computers that are working and stuff that's available to them so that they're like one of the tricks that I used um, that uh, when I was a principal was we collected all the paper box tops and they neatly fit into their desks so kids okay. could put all their stuff in and just pull that out yes. and then everything wasn't lost in the back of their desks so um you you know markers that ha where the lids have been put back right. on so they're not all wrecked. dried out um scrap paper boxes and you know kids yes. being taught how to use materials properly and not stuff all over the floor and it's interesting i guess my elementary school education was always with organized teachers because those are the things i remember being and i think you can go overboard a bit no but, but we weren't in trouble like you know there was you didn't get in trouble if taught, you left things out but right yeah no, there was the, the routines beginning. all yes you know down to wiping the chalkboard 
you know, and so kids can't learn and grow if they if they don't have access to neatly right. organized materials and materials that are like markers that work and pencil crayons that are sharpened and mm -hmm. pencils that are available and you know and I've seen kids sit in a classroom like for 20 minutes not doing anything and I'll say what's up I can't find my pencil okay there should be a routine in place for that there's a yeah. bin of sharpened pencils over here do not sit at your desk doing nothing because you don't have a right, pencil but then what about the teacher that sh that uh, chews them out for getting up out of their desk when well, it's a teacher centered the... moment and they're supposed to be taking notes well it's I'm, I, I'm just I, saying yeah, that I, I don't like I know that there's teachers who would not like that disruption. But they wouldn't also standing. have the pencil yeah, over at the, the side for the kids. Yeah, so you so don't have to it's worry the same about thing. that. <laughs> it's the same thing. So, you know, you just have to make... And are you as a teacher not aware that somebody is sitting at their desk doing nothing? Like, I used to have a bin of sharpened pencils on my desk and I'd see someone not doing anything and I'd walk over and hand them a pencil in the yeah. middle of the lesson. Yeah. Or a pen or whatever it mm. was that they needed. So the other thing I think you should see as well is di divergence and diversity. So every, again, I'm going back to every kid does not have to be doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. um, kids can diverge from what, like I, I had a teacher at my one school and she really believed that there was only one way to solve a math problem. Mm. And so I would go in her classroom during math class to simply say to the kids, no, that's okay. That's an okay thinking that you're doing fine with that. And she and they would say, Oh, no, we have to do no, actually, you don't. Mm. So that is just an interesting and you can get at some of these things by simply talking to your kids, right? right? Like, there's not one way of doing ev anything. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have divergence and diversity, and things, well, I guess if your kid comes home with homework or a frustrated day, you can ask, you know, so what, what's bothering you? And then they would say, you know, I, whatever. And then, and then say, well, did the teacher or, or did you have a ch chance to try two or three different ways to, to figure it out? Well, um, or it, it comes out the most when parents are trying to help their kids solve a math problem and they go to do it a certain way and the kid goes, well, you can't do it that way. That's right. not the, well, actually you, you can. Yeah. Like there's lots of different ways. And kids should be taught at like in one classroom everyone isn't working at the same level right so there should be diversity in the kinds of books that are available in the kinds of writing tools and the kinds of like some kids need just voice to text mm -hmm. which is easy now mm -hmm. like when i first started teaching we had to get that dragon naturally speaking, speaking. and, and it, was it was so expensive. expensive now with google read and write yeah. it's to every like you can take any passage and have it read to a kid yeah. a lot of kids who struggle with reading mm -hmm. can listen and comprehend grade level materials without but it has to be made available to them right mm. so um also failure should be evident visible yeah. growth and progress and oh here's the goals we're working on today mm -hmm. we got this everybody celebrate we're not there yet here <laughs> like so, 24 days at this factory without an accident <laughs> yes pretty much yeah um 
And then we should see data that actually helps teachers teach and students learn. So mm -hmm. when I talk about exit cards or um, goals where you're keeping track of whether kids have concepts or not and 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 this can also be evident on like a, on a website or a, a blog that yeah. the teacher and the kids are keeping about their learning like mm -hmm. I didn't have that as a choice when I was teaching because technology hadn't evolved to that point yet mm -hmm. but if I was a teacher now I'd have a class blog mm -hmm. where the kids had all access to it and I'd assign a person a day to put in here's some things we learned today like, right parents would love that and yeah. then parents can make comments and mm -hmm. talk about things and we put pictures on it and you know so that that in itself is a writing tool well and can you imagine the the strategies of being appropriate online and in an online community and not being a troll and not attacking people because you're on a keep like you, all those skills of like yeah could be like online positive. etiquette positive. well like we learned this morning in the um, in our course that oh, we're the taking, course on and I'm neurolinguistic, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just flipping to it actually in my notes because um, I really liked that whole un unconditional positive regard. Right. So that is basically like you should see community divergence, divergence, diversity, failure. You know, information that but all helps of that everybody. Is unconditionally viewed as a positive. Yes. Yeah. Unconditional positive regard is like to me what you should see in every classroom. Mm -hmm. Like negative talk, like like you want in your family with your kids, right? Yeah. You want well, honest, but not negative, not no. a, not personally attacking. And where we can talk about, you know, go back up here to critical thinking and problem solving, right. where we can solve our real problems, mm -hmm. and where we have self self assessment, and I can honestly look at myself and say, yeah, I don't I don't get that, right. but I I know that this kid gets it so I could go to them and they could coach me mm -hmm. right right but today so-and-so coaches you on math but tomorrow that same person might be helping you out on the soccer field because you're maybe great at math but you're not so great at cooking a soccer ball right and to recognize those things mm -hmm. about each other and become that kind of a community which is the kind of world that we're kind of hoping for in the towards. end right yeah and then good ideas should be on display like good ideas should be evident in mm. the in the classroom like kids should be able to um hang up their learning and display it so the days of okay everybody sit down and make a turtle and then we have four or five 30 turtles on, on a wall mm -hmm. that should be like long gone from yeah. Because that's not the kind of world well, we live no on. there's no diversity there. We're not sending kids. I, I don't see that in 30 years we'll be sending kids to factories. No. 10 years, probably not. Well, and the factories that we will have will be with robots, and we're going to have to have engineers running them. So. so we need to have kids that are, you know, using all these kinds of skills, like I'm saying, to their own voice, choice, reflecting, you know, so innovation, critical thinking, problem solving, 
self-assessment, genius, and all that divergence and diversity and failure so that they can move the world forward. We're not training the same kids that we were. No. We don't want them. We're not training for compliance anymore. No. We're, cra we're training for innovation and cooperation and problem solving. And right? our classrooms need to look like that. Otherwise. Yes. And also, I think we have to be um, realistically understand that one of our biggest um, challenges in the world, I think right now, is our antagonism towards each other. Mm -hmm. So we have to somehow build classroom and communities that, and that work the whole, on that. Like getting so wrapped up in your identity around a label that that's mm -hmm. all you can that you only see through that lens. Right. And that um, but right. this is why I'm encouraging these things like these portfolios and online communities and all those sorts of things, because then a parent can go on and see, oh, I see what my kid is learning. I understand why they need to learn that. Mm -hmm. And like I, we said in the last podcast, we're not building schools for efficiency and compliance we're building kids for in we're building schools for innovation and opportunity mm -hmm. and the problem that we have right now is this is a stretch for the teacher standing in front of the classroom because they were raised in the other way the other and they, way and we, most and teachers tend to slide the moment you're tired or stressed you slide towards teaching how you were taught which is yes. the, the lowest common and also i believe that the way teachers colleges are run they're still antiquated like when you're pulling retired teachers instead of researchers and innovators and current teachers current um, master teachers mm -hmm. If you're not seconding that kind of person to teach in a teacher's college, what what is the expectation that these teachers are not going to come out teaching the same way everybody's Everybody taught? Everybody else did. Since I remember my teacher, my teacher's college stuff, it was like I was back in the 1950s. Like it just, I still can't believe. Now we've stretched it out to two years, but we're still hiring all these retirees for years and years to be and the, years to be the coaches in yeah. the teachers college yeah so i mean that's another whole whole story so those are some ideas on some things that your kids should be experiencing and what classrooms today should be like in order that we can build a society of people looking searching for positive re treating each other with positive regard making the most of every opportunity through innovation and looking and and looking for a different kind of a a workforce yeah because that the workforce that the compliance workforce is is over it's over and i get it there's a very minimal there's a you have to comply with your boss or your whatever but if you teach kids to respectfully challenge through questioning mm-hmm mm -hmm. They're going to be able to do that. Right. Sit down and, and have then the those, conversation. And then those who become leaders and bosses will know how to be more open to questioning and whatever because yeah. they'll have a reflective practice that they'll have learned yes. as a child. Yeah. So those are my ideas. Um, on July 15th, I want to do one on six. I have this saying that I always used in school, success breeds success mm -hmm. 
So how do we really support kids on their learning journey? Sounds great. So so thanks for joining us for um, No Room for Phonies on uh, June 30th. And like, like I said before, if you have questions or comments about anything that I've said or you want to ask any further questions, please um, feel free to jump on the website or any, like, any if, of the platforms any that the allow platforms comments and um, Shopify, even, um, YouTube, iTunes, YouTube. Yeah, because we'll, we put the, the video up on YouTube as well. So yeah. hop in, join in. I know it's, you know, the heat of summer and nobody's thinking of maybe thinking about school, but it's going to be around uh, soon enough. And uh, sometimes I think in the summer when you don't have as much. <laughs> That's a blue jay That's pecking thing. at a peanut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, is it? It is. I saw it. Cool. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, when you don't have as much going on in your life, that sometimes you can have a chance for reflection. So before the Blue Jay takes over our yard, we will sign off. Thanks for joining us. No room for phonies. What you should see in your child's classroom from kindergarten to, to university. university. <laughs>